and I know the way it goes is that somebody's going to come up and straighten something else out. <laughs> and it's going to be okay for everybody. If you uh, are not pleased with how it got moved, just wait till that person leaves the room and go put it back. It'll be all right. Thank you to our army of tree decorators up here. Got a battalion. That was great. Um, that, uh, we're, we're just thankful to celebrate our Lord together. And this is one of the things I'm reminded of every year in decorating. And I talked about it a little bit yesterday as we were getting things out. We think we decorate exactly the same way every year. But I, I contend with you that if you look at your fireplace and take a picture of the mantle every year, something's just a little bit different than it was the year before. And I even... Uh, I, w I was even thinking about uh, some of the carols we sing. Um, one of the, in, in, in musician land, and I have a bachelor's degree in choral music, so I was always trying to figure out the best way to sing Gloria in Excelsis Deo. Those of you who've been in choirs or directed choirs probably can relate, because my college choir director was, had very specific ways he did it to get all the choir to do that, the same thing. And then I was a teacher, and we were singing that, and the lady who was the head director uh, was not pleased with how I had learned to do it. You know, we all have different ways and different traditions of doing things, and you know what? All of it is okay, because all of it has to do with the grace that God has given us in Christ. And that works itself out in different ways, and it shows itself in different ways, and um, you know, there are things that we do every year, and there are things that we tweak a little bit every year. Uh, three or four years ago, this stage was absolutely covered in Christmas. To come up here to try to walk across this, those of you who were here then remember, we had a lot of stuff. We decided not to put quite as much stuff up after that because it was difficult to maneuver. We have different years put lights all the way around the building, uh, outside. Well, we didn't do that this year for several reasons. One reason is altitude. Um, it's a long way up there. And, and, and the older I get, the higher it seems like it is. But Jamie and Ricky got the front end of the building done, so I encourage you to come by, drive by in the evening. You're not going to see it in the daylight. That'll preach, too, because if the light is shining, our manufactured lights are a lot less useful. And so a lot of times, I think with Christmas, we try to manufacture a lot of things that only God can do. And um, there's nothing wrong with our traditions. It's pretty. It's always wonderful to see this for the month of December. You know, it's November now, I realize, but the first Sunday of Advent. And we see all these decorations up through the month of December, and I contend that most of the rest of the year, you probably don't have a tree with ornaments on it in your house. You might. I'm not going to judge either way. You can do what you want to in your, own, in your own zip code. That's fine. But we do strange things at different, for different traditions. Having a tree in our house or in our sanctuary is not a normal thing. Having lights on that. And thankfully, we've gotten past the tradition of lighting a candle on the tree. Or else we ought to have, might not have this building here. <laughs> right? Electricity has helped us out quite a bit. 
But I think it's also spoiled us to realize how dark our world is. And it always comes to mind, I share it almost every year, if not every year, multiple times, it always comes to mind that I find it to be appropriate that in the darkest time of year, we light our houses up. And it reminds us that in the darkest moments, our Messiah came. Uh, this morning, I want to look at more of a devotional thought uh, for the message. And, and again, everything's a little turned around today. It's not a normal service. This will be, uh, we'll, we'll have a, a, a closing prayer after all this done in this, this morning. We're not going to do our typical invitation time. And, and it'll be back next week. It's going to be okay. But we, um, as we come to these moments, I think it's appropriate to look at different aspects of the account that we find in the scriptures of the birth of our Savior. Um, in the weeks prior to Christmas, I plan to look at the life of Joseph and how God fulfilled his, his promise through that Joseph, not the Joseph we've been talking about for the last three or four months, but the Joseph that was the earthly father of Jesus, and uh, how God brought fulfillment through that man, through his wife Mary, and, uh, and we'll look at those things. Uh, this morning, we're actually going to look at Luke chapter 2 a little bit. Um, if you read the article this morning in the, in the bulletin, which I know all of you look with rapt anticipation to, to read every week, right? Wait, he writes an article? Anyway, um, talk a little bit about fulfillment. And I, that's one of the things that's been coming to my mind very regularly in looking at who Jesus is and why he came. Because in our world, we, we want to do good things. We, if, if we are of a right mind and a right heart, we want it to be a better place. But we can't do it. We can't change this. We even have problems dealing with our own sinful hearts in those moments. We've got to overcome that. The problem is we can't do it ourselves. We keep trying to do it ourselves, but we can't. We're incapable of it. God knew that. God knows that. And that's why we find this Messiah, this anointed one. We sang a moment ago, God rest ye merry gentlemen, the talking about the Magi, and he's come for us. He came to save us. And it was a moment of fulfillment of thousands of years of prophecy. So in Luke chapter 2, verse 25, I believe is where I have it up, uh, right there, and encourage you to, to find that. If it's not on the screen, it'll be there soon, hopefully. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought the child in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation." that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for the revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory of your people 
Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel. And for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Our Lord, give us clarity in your word, and may we find it your peace in this moment. In Jesus' name, amen. Some of you might not even really realize that this is part of the Christmas account the birth of Christ, simply because we get caught up in verses 1 through 21, right? Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among whom His Spirit dwells, right? We see those, th- that wonderful declaration of the angels, and we kind of stop there on Christmas Eve, the birth of the baby. But Jesus came in fulfillments of hundreds of years of truth and prophecy. And one of the remarkable things that we find in the Gospels and that we even see in the letters that Luke writes us is that Jesus came and people realized this was the, this was the child, this was the man. And earlier in this, in this passage, we see Luke uh, talk about, um, or earlier in this book, Luke talked about the birth of John the Baptist and the remarkable things around that. We see the birth of Christ and come there and the ways that it's fulfilled there. But we also see that God prepared the people of that day for the Anointed One, the Christ, the Messiah. He worked in the spirit of those to realize who they were, who He was, and that I should say. And now we see Him fulfill the Scriptures that come to pass. We find... um, in, in his prayer here, in Simeon's prayer. Well, well, Simeon was an interesting character. First of all, this is the only place we hear about this guy. And there's literally nothing about him. We know his name was Simeon, and we know he was an attendant in the temple. What tribe was he in? What was his job? How old was he? <laughs> None of those things are here. We find out later in the next character that's brought up, Anna, We find out those things about that individual. But for Simeon, many presume him to be an old man simply because of his language. But we don't really know how old this guy is. But we know that God has made him a promise, and in Jesus, he sees the promise fulfilled. He says, and it had been revealed to him in verse 26, by the Holy Spirit, the Trinitarian picture of things, that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. The Gospel of Luke deals with all kinds of people leading into the character that this person that we have is the baby Jesus. We see, uh, we see priests. We see commoners. We see the religious folk. We see the irreligious folk. We see shepherds. And now we see this guy, Simeon, for all accounts, is just a normal guy doing his job. We presume he was a priest because he was in the temple. Does it actually say that about him? 
It does not say that about him. Verse 25 says there was a man in Jerusalem. It had been revealed to him that he wouldn't see death. And when he came into the temple, that's where we find out he's in the temple, his parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do according to the custom of the law. Fulfillment there. Now, there are practices that are part of fulfilling the law. We presume this is at his, we would say, his brisk. This is where the child was presented at the temple. He took him in his arms and blessed God. He knew when he saw him that this was a child. And that's even true today. I think we, can, we know Jesus when we see Jesus. It's through the work of the Holy Spirit in the lives of those who trust him. It's through his divine hand at work in our world. But we know Jesus when we see him. This was a little bit different, though, right? This was Jesus. <laughs> Here he is. Teeny tiny baby. Presented to someone without any description except for his name and his location. That he was in the temple and that he would see that. We try to make things so perfect that we have to present the Lord in this perfect way. God came for the normal person. And the normal person is a sinner in need of a Savior. He came for you. He came for each one of us because we are all the same before the throne of, uh, before the throne of God. We can't get there except that he lets us there. <laughs> that he gives us access. And ultimately, we see the Christ child there. And what does it say in this prayer? I love this prayer that he offers in verse 29. Lord, you are now letting your servant depart in peace. This is why we think he's old, <laughs> right? He's been sitting there waiting. He has been experiencing the advent for the entirety of his ministry, his life. That's the advent, that's the, the coming, this, this anticipation of what God is going to do. These advent candles before us, they lead us into the Christmas holiday, they show us, they lead us to the Christ child as a sinner. We begin with hope, which is called the prophet's candle, and I was joking with, with John earlier talking about this, because I, I always make sure, we do this just once a year, right? So I try to make sure I get the candles in the right order up here, <laughs> Well, I looked up the order of the Advent candles this morning on this little device that I have in this place called Google. Just to make sure. I looked at five posts. I had five different orders. <laughs> five different things that they all come in. We're going with hope in the prophet's candle. That's what I'm saying here right now. So the first candle is that candle of hope. And it's not this nebulous hope that, you know, I, I hope I can pay off my car someday. That's not where it is because if, we, if that is our hope, your car is going to break down and you're going to have another car payment. Why? Because our hope is in something of this world there. No, this is the surety. This is the realization that when this world is gone, we have residence with God. This is understanding that the Messiah has come to pay the price for our sins. And we call, call it the prophet's candle because for hundreds of years, the prophets foretold this baby, this child, this Messiah. 
And so we light that first because it'll burn the longest. We relight it every week. It'll be the shortest one by the end. And, you know, we kind of find ourselves there now. And that's where Simeon found himself here. What was his hope? In the prayer, Now, Lord, you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, according to your promise. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation. Try again. A light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. See, and this is a, a picture of fulfillment. If you go back to Isaiah 40, and that's one of my favorite chapters in Scripture, we see that this prayer of comfort comes upon the people, the consolation of Israel. This is what he's praying for here. And yet, even in this fulfillment, we see a prophetic word to Mary that is disturbing. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. Mary did this a lot, <laughs> right? If you keep reading, or go, go back a little bit, you'll see Mary's prayer in chapter 1. She marvels at what God is doing in her, through her, and knows that it is the work of God. Simeon blessed them in the temple and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel. That's a hard word. And if you do a little fast forward to the ends of these Gospels, we see a picture of that. The fall of Israel is in process here. If you go into the Old Testament, you see Judah and Israel fall on their own. <laughs> they did it to themselves because they neglected to follow the Lord. And when you take your eyes off of God, a lot of times he'll say, give it a shot yourself. See how well that goes. I've been there. But here we see not just the fall, but the rising. Because the glory is that this child is the sacrifice for our sins. He became sin on our behalf, killed it on the cross, and rose again. That is the rising. A sword will pierce through your own soul also. That is in Mary's life. And that points forward to, to Jesus' crucifixion. Who was standing there watching? His mother and his friends. Can you imagine watching your own child endure that? And the agony that would take? So, though, there's a purpose in it so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Talking about the renewal of our lives because of the sacrifice. So the hope of Christmas is incomplete without the death and resurrection of Jesus. We can get into the, our presents and our gifts and 
and, and, and I think it's appropriate to remind ourselves, and it's good for us, a practice to remember, evergreens mean life, the red means blood, the star in the shape of the flowers, all these different things that we talk about, because they draw us back to Christ. They remind us of God's goodness. But it's, it's without its fulfilled purpose if we don't remember why He came. It's because we need a Savior. So this Christmas, be reminded that Christ comes with purpose. That is to save your soul and the heart of the world. And there have been a lot of things this year, in previous years, a lot of things to distract us from the goodness of the Lord. A lot of things that, that bring fear into our hearts and our lives. But our hope is found in an empty tomb for which this baby came to borrow for a couple of nights. Because the hope we have is in the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's never take our minds off the fact with Christmas, yes, it is a season of giving, and we can, we can secularize things all we want to. We can say, this is the time we get together. It's about family. It's about this, and it's about all these peripheral things. Not that family isn't important, but it's about Jesus. It's about what he came to do for us. He came as, as the anointed one who alone could fulfill the law and the prophets. And He now offers that hope to you. So will you trust Him today? Let's pray. Father, I thank You for Your goodness and Your grace. I thank You for how Your hand is at work in each heart and life here, or else they wouldn't be here in this room right now. I thank you that you are good and your love is enduring. I thank you for the reminders each year of the hope you have given the world that first came as this little baby, but that we see as our Savior. Lord, forgive us of our sin. Inhabit our hearts that we might be a blessing to you and to the world around us. And if there's one person here who needs to place their trust in you today, I pray they'll have the boldness to ask those questions, to take those steps, to bless you. I thank you today that you are here. By your Spirit, we are promised eternal life. I thank you for the opportunities that you give us to bless you this season. And I pray that we'll be reminded that it is for you and because of you that we do it. In Jesus' name. Gloria in excelsis Deo Gloria
in excelsis Deo. You all sure do, sure do sing pretty. Well, I paid a lot for that. God is good. We're thankful that you're here today. There's a lot of things going on. we got a lot of shoe boxes. If you want to hang out and put them under the trees, that's there. We keep seeing piles come up. A couple more weeks, we will uh, dedicate those for our uh, offering to the Lord, to New Missions in Haiti. And uh, there's a lot here. I'm not even going to try to count. I can, like I said, I got, I'm a musician. I can count to four. So uh, let's start over after that. All right. So anyway... Um, with, uh, let's see, you in uh, available today, if you didn't pick one up, are a proposed budget from the Finance Committee uh, that they put together in preparation for 2023. I'm not even used to saying 2022, and here we go into 2023. Um, and if you have questions about that, uh, you can talk to our Finance Committee, David Britton, Becky Schreiner, John Sonlo, uh, Zach Freiberg, Cheryl Cook, Mary Dad, did I miss anybody? All right, I got it. You can ask them about that. Um, we will have a ballot vote at the close of, us, of our service on the 11th, which is two weeks from now, so that when 23 does happen, we'll have a budget. That's cool. But it is a faith budget. It is understanding that we are, uh, you know, looking at a, an economy that's crazy. And, uh, but God is faithful. And we're thankful for your faithful giving and that we can take a step of faith in looking at those things. So if you need one of those, they're around. If you didn't get one, we'll find one for you. Um, and then I, I saw Lori this morning. She's doing a concert this afternoon in Canyon City. If you want, uh, there is a flyer up here with information about that. You can ask Lori as well, wherever Lori is up. There she is. That girl. She may jet, though. You're, right? You're going to get out of town, right? <laughs> So uh, it's at the uh, Steeple Events and Conference Center at 3 o'clock in Canyon City. Admission's $10, and Lori does a beautiful job, so you will enjoy that as well. Um, you'll see lots of things in your bulletin this morning about coming events. Next two Sundays, Bill Lighty is going to be bringing our message, talking about deacon ministry, uh, talking about renewing that in our church and seeing what God wants to do through that. So uh, those things, that's that. Thank you to Larry for being our narrator this morning and Allison and Zach and Caitlin for doing the music and everybody who helped decorate the room. Um, and if you want to straighten something, feel free. And everybody else, be nice. All right? Let's stand together. Thanks for being here today. And I think we have still the, the November verse there. <laughs>